0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks so much for listening. My guest today is Christina Wong. Before we get to Christina, just have some announcements. And that is, of course, check out the website... Go there, TravelTalesPodcast.com, check out photos of our guests, see a little bit of their bios, see links to all their social media and our social media as well. There's also articles there that you can peruse and all that other good stuff. And when we're talking about social media, we mean, of course, and I say we in a general we, it's really just me. (laughs) Uh, talking about Instagram could you follow us on Instagram Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram we're Travel Tales Pod on Twitter and of course Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook if you want to write me it's Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com that's Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com and there's also links to uh, Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe to this show for free and of course iTunes and if you're on iTunes why not give us a good rating that helps people find the show and And that boosts our presence, and uh, that's always cool. And again, still costs you nothing, because I'm a horrible businessman. (laughs) Uh, I do this out of love, and I hope uh, you people out there like listening to it. Well, I am fresh off my first experience as a brand ambassador, folks. I returned from the Rocky Mountaineer train that I took two years ago, and uh, that was asked back, me and about seven other travel bloggers, all very nice who I met, to promote the uh, awesome experience that is the Rocky Mountaineer train. And I'll be talking about this a lot over the next six months. You'll see more posts on this, but I, I shot a lot of cool video. And uh, my friend Rob, I, I flew him out from New York to help me shoot footage and shoot me because it's tough. I don't like doing the selfie thing. I really don't. Uh, the selfie stick, I just haven't, haven't made that leap. I know I know, as a, uh, a blogger and everything else, you, you got to learn to embrace the selfie stick. But uh, boy... It's tough for me to use them. I just don't... Yuck, I don't like them. Uh, I found it much easier to pay the money to fly, fly my friend across country to uh, to hang out and shoot. But we had a great time. And stay tuned to uh, the website, especially the Facebook page. My Facebook page as well. You can find me, Mike.Siegel, on uh, Facebook. And I'll be playing videos. Uh, we're going to play, be uh, playing Instagram videos. I'm going to do a series of them. and We had a lot of fun shooting things. There's going to be some funny stuff. And amazing scenery from up north, so stick around. More on the Rocky Mountaineer train in the coming months. All right, let's get to Christina Wong. Christina is a performance artist who has a a, a really interesting travel tale, as you will soon find out. She plays a lot of uh, colleges and uh, theaters and that kind of thing. And she decided to uh, work on a new show in Uganda, of all places. Well, I'll let her get to the story. But needless to say, she ended up cutting a rap video there that became a hit. Intrigued yet? You should be. Here's my conversation with the lovely, talented, and interesting Christina Wong.
1: You uh
0: you consider yourself a performance artist first? Because you yeah, do a million things. You yeah. Act and I mean, you do everything.
1: it's by saying I'm a performance artist, I can do things like apply for grants. I can uh, totally bomb, but somehow it's the audience's fault.
0: <laughs> versus, you just don't get it, man. Yeah. You're not, it's, hip you're
1: not you're, you've not, you weren't in that theory class. So <laughs> it's a good safety for me mostly. I mean, I think hardcore performance artists are like, no, you're not. You've never stuck anything in your ass. <laughs> You know, but I I think yeah, I I, I I really feel like I think more visually and more conceptually than a stand up and I don't just seem to tell jokes, so that seemed to be a way to kind
0: of blur what the hell it is I do. But is humor always <laughs> a part of each show? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean my earliest shows were me doing things like fake menstruating on myself and like really seriously like we aren't like exploring colonialism through like fake menstruating on myself and and uh, as... I get it.
0: I totally get it. You get it. it. Right? Sure. You were in
1: that theory class. Yeah, I, I
0: totally got it.
1: So like as the as the years went on or as the months went on, as audiences dwindled, I was like oh shoot, I gotta like figure out <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to like. I think the humor and making fun of the whole situation, and also like all my colleagues were so super serious, and I found that a lot of the shows I was doing was actually making fun of a, what a lot of my colleagues were doing on stages, like very indulgent, right. like m- m- massacating kind of stuff on stage. And um, and now I, you know, I think I identify more as a comedian. I feel it's it's safe to say I am a comedian, but I I I, um, I still think. The performance art lens—it's saying performance art lends itself to the literariness yeah. of it, the grantworthiness <laughs> exactly. of what I do.
0: Well, you know, we're we're cutting the arts out. You know, I don't know if you know that now. That's, uh, that's yeah,
1: a, I know. So I might have to,
0: surplus. We don't it's, need that anymore. It's
1: all lowbrow from here on out. <laughs>
0: uh, well, it's perfect for the uh, travel podcast because you you go all over, mm-hmm. not only the country but the world. Yeah. So. I also wanted to ask you about the trip to Uganda that you did. Yeah, th-
1: tell I'm me happy about to talk that. About that's that.
0: amazing
1: to me um, because yeah. I've never
0: been. I've been to Tanzania and Kenya yeah. nearby, but uh, you know, <laughs> growing up, people my generation—you think of Uganda immediately, you think civil war, Idi Amin, yeah, Idi Amin, civil war in the seventies. But I got to
1: tell you, I actually didn't know about Idi Amin until I came what? back. I know I—I d- was mostly what. following. I I mean, a lot of how I ended up there was very naively. So I tour one person shows and I was touring a show about depression and suicide called Wong Flover the Cuckoo's Nest for, for, for many years and um, went through uh, existential crises, which I I hope that, I'm not the only person who goes through that mostly because I don't I'd feel so alone if I was, but like, you know, I was just like, is this my life? Just going to tour this depression show forever. And I try to move on to two new shows and it just it wasn't satisfying. And, and, uh, and I was like, I literally had a, I'm going to, I'll go to Africa moment. And I, I, um, and I'm guilty of having to eat, pray, love moment, even as somebody who considers herself an activist and interested in social justice. I was like, I'll find myself among poor people in Africa. <laughs> and and, I, and I'll write a show called The Wong Street Journal, which will be about poverty. That, that, that's it. And uh, so I, I didn't know. I just like looking at this big map, didn't really think. You know, I, I, my context for the continent is celebrities that adopt babies there, like every charity that's...
0: And Western charity massive, to save them. massive it's, And it's,
1: it's three times the size of the U.S., and right? completely so, varied yeah. from the
0: north to the south and completely, east to the west.
1: Yeah, and 54 countries. So, um, so I ended up in Uganda because I knew people in theater who had connections into Uganda, found a microloan organization in northern Uganda, sent a $2,000 check to go... Volunteer with them for three weeks, which is about as much as I could afford. I, I had visions of like I'll stay for two months, and yeah. and um, so it was a total of, of a month I was gone. A
0: month. So what's what's the charity? What they...
1: It uh, well, I don't actually name it anymore because okay. um, because when I got to, to Uganda, I realized that this Western charity actually partners with a local organization on the ground called Volunteer Action Network, and the reason why I don't name the organization that I sent the $2000 check to is because I would like to encourage people to send money directly to Uganda and not through the western partner where a lot of the, um, the money gets money gets pulled in overhead and yeah, yes they're okay. doing good work cuz they got me there but uh I think it will it confuses things um in terms of me advocating to support the organization more so so never there's also been... the secrets now okay. that, I'm, that I'm revealing <laughs> I that I realize are How many lawsuits are you
0: involved in? <laughs> so you end up in Uganda. You get off the uh, which the, a, an amazing airport. flight. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I stopped in Turkey on the way, and yeah. I was so naive the whole trip because I remember. All I, all I had to go on was just videos I could find on YouTube. And I was trying to understand the Civil War that just ended in 2006. And it was like a 20-year Civil War. And, uh, and, it, and in my mind, like, the entire country was ravaged by Civil War. In my mind, every woman I met uh, was, was probably someone who uh, was kidnapped uh, by Coney's army. Um, uh, you know, like, I, I just, like, that's, I mean, but that's what stuff looks like. Uh, from the side of you've never been it's, it looks like a big monolith of horror and, um, and a lot of that I play on in the show and so I, uh, I, I get to Entebbe at 3am and uh, Bukenya Musa who's the founder of VACnet in northern Uganda meets me at the airport so he actually came all the way down on this long bus ride to meet me at the airport and the next day I slept at the Hilton, <laughs> they have a Hilton there oh I remember waking up and just even looking out the window, I was like, ah, because my mother was, like, so terrified about me going. Everyone was like, be careful. Oh, you're so brave. And, you know, and 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 I was just like, am I that brave? But it did seem, <laughs> it does seem scary in ways. like, yeah, if, yeah. Because the context, I think, that most Americans have of Africa is, like, heart of darkness, a horrible, chaotic place. And, and, and um, you do
0: stand out, I mean, for and sure. Do, and, yeah,
1: and, and having traveled in Southeast Asia and felt that everywhere I walked, you know, it is kind of a, it feels like a precarious thing when you are a backpacker and, and a woman and alone and everything you own of value is on you. And if you were to lose everything, you know, it'd be so easy to just take advantage of you and even more so, uh, there. So, um, Anyway, so 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 it was this long uh bus ride on a local bus and I was the only foreigner on the bus. Uh-huh. It was all African people and um there was like a mattress like being transported like folded above a seat. <laughs> like we'd stop at what was called trading trading posts I guess like in each town and like all these people clamored to the bus and it was like so unreal that it it was like you know, I just remember my head going, "Oh my god, I'm in Africa! I'm in Africa! Oh my god! Oh my god! Like this is totally like this, these feel like images I've seen." And um, what year was this? T- just only a few years ago, 2013. Okay, and uh, and I remember we stopped to to pee, and and it was like I have I have dreams about peeing. Like I don't know if you have like looking for public restroom dreams but it was like a square <laughs> wall and all the women were like squatting against the wall peeing into like this sort of like a gutter gutter right yeah. and and it was so so unreal like I'm, i was like thank god i don't need a shit right now because then everyone would be watching me shit <laughs> but it was like it was really it
0: was it was just so unreal what was your foreign travel experience before this I had uh, done been Southeast to Asia. Asia
1: sure. That was Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, and then before that, it was all developed countries. It was like Europe, uh, Greece, which is in Europe. I um, <laughs> I've I'd, I'd, I'd been to Taiwan, but that's that's nice. That's to- yeah. That's <laughs> uh, not. Uh, it's definitely not <laughs> not Southeast Asia. And so, even parts of Southeast Asia are developed, but you know, it, it that
0: was the. That's throwing you in into the, in the deep end. Yeah. I mean Africa, Uganda especially. That's.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know why I I'd, I'd, I'd gone on a cruise in Mexico with my parents, you know, but Oh, was, we don't count that. Yeah, We don't count those, right? <laughs> and and so I, I remember even doing Asia. I think I was like 31 that summer and I was like I realized I keep waiting to travel the world with somebody like my life partner or someone or and, and all my friends are getting married. And like my one friend who said, oh, come with you. She changed her mind because she was like, oh, we're trying to get pregnant. And I, and I really had a moment where I was like, I have to just go by myself. It's a,
0: it's a certain moment in life and everybody goes through it. Like if you love to travel that if, what, if I wait for someone to go with, I'll never go. Yeah. So I decided that long ago, it's like, I'm going to have to learn to travel alone. Yeah.
1: And, and in my twenties, I like, I, I dated various forms of losers who either (laughs) had no money or, no time, uh, no time, and and you know, or no it, interest, or no that's interest. the weirdest. Yeah. yeah, and it was always on me to figure out, well, how will I get both of us there? That makes no sense. Like I'm the <laughs> performance artist here. Why am I also bankrolling this? So <laughs> I'm glad that I I kicked my ass, own ass and went. But I swear, the first three weeks of Southeast Asia, I was just terrified the whole time, and I lost both the, my credit card and bank card somehow. I I don't know how. Like one, I must have left in the ATM. Another, I left at the bank, and or at a like a I think I left somehow at the airport, but I, my parents were like, come home, just come home. And I was terrified. I didn't, I What city were you in? I I was, I was in Cambodia and it's really hard to get a bank card mailed to you in Cambodia because even my friends who live there don't have, they don't get their mail delivered. It's not safe. They have to get a P.O. box, but the bank won't mail uh, your bank card to a P.O. box overseas. So I had to borrow money. And then cross the border into Saigon and then go to the Citibank in Saigon and pick my card up from the bank. I mean, it was so crazy. And and then uh, and then my Airbnb guest actually, like, I told her where, where I hide all my, uh, my stash of bank cards. And she mailed internationally a
0: Oh my God, bank that, card. That <laughs> so I had, so I had nice two cards. Nice interesting of, of
1: you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I have some really cool folks who have stayed here. But, uh, Wait, yeah, so do you know really any big, other languages? I know. A li- I'm relearning Chinese. I'm third generation Chinese American, so I mostly grew up speaking English, and so I'm relearning Cantonese. And my Spanish is not bad. And I'm, and I'm yeah,
0: well, living here. Uh, you know, we got to <laughs> You know.
1: I mean, I can understand it better than I can speak it, but I can get I can get
0: the gist. Get of the what gist. Folks yeah, are that's, saying. that's how I get around.
1: Um, yeah, so... So you're in Uganda. So I'm in Uganda, and I'm like, here I go again.
0: So did you set I'm yourself gonna... up with an apartment, or how did you I So this?
1: they, uh, like, the way it's set up is you write this $2,000 thing, and they, they they were supposed to put me in a very fancy hotel for Westerners called the Boma Hotel, which is on a hill. And the way it was explained to me by the woman who runs the organization, who's headquartered in Denver, is that it didn't seem like there were housing options As it turns out, there were, but they were, it's either like very fancy hotel called the Boma, which was like 45 bucks a night, which is a lot that goes through your budget very fast. And it's equivalent to like what I, you know, pay to live here Yeah. and, uh, or, or like a hut or something, you know, it just seemed like, (laughs) and of course I'm just going to, you know, as an outsider, I'm going to take the safer option as much as I want to, you know, be with the people. Um, but as we were on our bus ride up, Bukenya got a message that something happened to my reservation. So I ended up at a smaller hotel, um, that has like 10 rooms and a tiny little restaurant under it. And called Hotel Hotel Knock. And I remember it was pitch black when I was checked in and I I, uh, was dropped off and I was just sort of alone in in the room and I decided to go down to the restaurant. And I remember everybody watching a telenovela that was translated (laughs) into – English and like really bad voice. I, and I remember doing a project with this comedian named Dwayne Perkins many years ago. Dwayne. Yeah, you know, Dwayne. Yeah. So he had some job Dwayne's like been on the show. 15 years ago. Yeah. He's traveled everywhere where he had to take an old black and white movie and then rewrite it. And we were all VO actors. Oh, and it okay. was so low budget that we had all of 24 hours to dub. Like it was like 4 a.m. And oh. we were trying to dub this project and and i don't even know what i was doing on this project but i'm like now i know who watches this crap uganda like so it was a telenovela the worst voiceover ever and like everybody was just watching it i just remember like everyone was african and uh and looked like a local and i was just sitting there and i remember getting this menu with like 50 options but only like three things were available like yeah. you, if you point to think that's very africa like, nope. you, you not point there. to it and they're like we don't have that. And we nobody have...
0: has change ever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like real it's like the worst service ever or and and not in a rude way it's just like I don't I don't know that they are accustomed to to taking orders and, and, and what, serving. Yeah.
0: What I ever got from uh, my you know I've only been there a few times but uh, going through I remember leaving Tanzania and Kenya and no matter what <laughs> How long, you ask them how long, how long before the car gets here, how long before the bus is supposed to come? It's always 20 minutes. Because I think they figured, they finally figured that like 20 minutes is enough for you to, okay, we can wait 20 minutes, you know, and then you'll go away. And then you come back, it's like, what the hell is it? You know what? It's going to be another 20 minutes. Yeah. And then you just, so they just keep telling you yeah, that's
1: that. was the, 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 the whole come, bus ride. I was come, like, I got four How long? hours. It was eight hours. Yeah. And, but they, yeah, it's like, they can't tell you the right time. It's time. R- very real. And uh, so, yeah, I I just learned to stop asking. Like for different things on the menu that piqued my fancy. How said, was the food? So what you had? It was good. I mean, it's it's just very heavy. And that was here's a naive thing: is I was just like, oh my god, there's going to be no food because like my pack <laughs> my packing list from the organization was like bring peanut butter and bring crackers and Cliff bars. So I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so I brought like thirty Cliff bars, one for each day, and a jar of peanut butter. That's and-
0: really just for the the long bus rides.
1: Yeah, or something. And I remember in <laughs> Turkey, I was like eating all these desserts going, oh my God, it's my last meal, it's my last meal. Because like in my mind, I'm just like, w- how bad is this going to be? <laughs> but I was eating fish and roots. And like, so after Idi Amin, I guess, kicked out the Indian population, a bunch moved back. And so there's this Indian food, which is oh, that's adver- always good. advertises Chinese food, which got oh, me excited. No, really? And then I, w- so I did check out some of those restaurants during my trip. And I'm like, this is not Chinese. <laughs> this is not even Some of this is not even Indian food. Surely there must is. be some Chinese there. There's Chinese. Um, and, uh, you
0: always find one Chinese restaurant yeah, in any country I've ever in been in
1: the, the capital. But yeah, yeah. There were. I'd see every time I saw an Asian person, I'd go wa- wave them You'd down. Like, hey. uh, or white people. So, right. so okay. So this is the thing. So I, like two or three days. Two days went by before I'd seen another foreigner, and. Um, it just happened in my little 10 room hotel it was across from a row of huts, which was like so unreal. And I would, I just like be on the balcony staring at everybody like an asshole. And, <laughs> and I would walk to where we volunteer and there's like goats, you know, on the path right. and, <laughs> and this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and one night, um, I hear this like bass music pumping and I'm with these two African men who are staying at the hotel and they, uh, they work in health and they live in the capital. As it turns out, one of them owned the hotel, which he didn't tell me. But uh, they were teaching me different phrases, and they were like, you're a mzungu. You're a white person. Yeah, white person. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm not a white person. (laughs) I've never been mistaken as a white person here. And and they're like, when they see your white skin, they're going to charge you more. And I'm like, I'm not a white person.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, do people, they don't usually, like for me, they automatically (laughs) assume I'm American or you know, yeah, whatever. but do they assume you're from China or
1: something? Um, yes, but I also got a lot of people. Well, I'll, this is where the story gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> is 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 what did is is some folks? I don't know. It's um, it's just what geography knowledge is. But but uh, some of the folks I know will sometimes ask me how Europe is. <laughs> you know, like it's all like one big white thing. land. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So we, we heard, we followed the sound of the bass and it was a nightclub. And I remember being terrified because, and I was just like, let's just look. And, and then we'll just go back to the hotel. And they're like, let's go in. And, and, uh, and it was just, it, it, in a we, like, I guess all the codes in my head, it it seemed dangerous because it's pitch black. It's a lot of men loitering outside, like hundreds of men just standing around in the dark. And like, I'm the only woman, uh that i can see walking by all these men standing and then we go in and there's a club and it's lit and then i see i remember seeing a white person at the bar and i got so excited it was so <laughs> unreal and i was like hey hey and he, he's like looking at me like do i know you and i'm like i'm american oh no and he was Did like i know but that's that's how and like i just had felt so like what have i done what am i doing yeah, here you wanted some, and i where met was he uh, I think he was, from, he's from Europe. He wasn't, uh-huh. um, like I didn't actually guy. meet that many Americans. I met more, um, Canadians when I was mm-hmm. out there. And so there was a blonde Canadian named Sarah who turns out was staying across the street for me in a small, in a very tiny little apartment building that had like three units, um, was which was next there? to the huts. So she's doing, she's in medical anthropology, which is a field Ooh, that I had no okay. idea existed. She's there now, uh, teaching and she's back there. And, um, I was on my period and uh and i because i'd seen all the I'm so stupid now performance art
0: period or the real
1: like legit period <laughs> okay. and uh and I had just been using toilet paper in my underwear oh, instead of a no. pad because I was like remembering these like everyone's you didn't bring like
0: a month long uh, or I stock up of. You brought peanut butter, but not
1: yeah. For some reason, I brought peanut butter, but tampons. no tampons, and and uh, <laughs> and and I think because all those commercials where they show girls who don't have access to pads in Africa, I was like, oh, they they probably don't. But I, but like the next day. The women, the, the local women who work in the staff of the microloan organization, are like, "Oh, you could go to the pharmacy and get that." But like in my mind, I'm like, "I, I'm gonna have to build some. I'm gonna have to build some. I'm gonna or, have to weave my own or uh, like Maxi wait pad. for the peace corps to drop a <laughs> drop them from the helicopter." But oh, the, the, the Canadian girl Sarah was like, "I have tampons," and I was like, "Oh my god, I love I love Canada." <laughs> I love and so Canada. she took me around the next day, and and. Uh, and, and just took me around the day and like set some context because it was like the microloan folks couldn't spend 24 seven with me playing tour guide. And, um, well, and,
0: the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
1: And, and, and and she was like, these are the nicest people in the world. Um, when you see people just shake their hands, you know, cause if I, I was just like sort of staring at people in shock and try not to be rude. Uh, but she's like, just say hello and shake their hand. It's like so simple. Right. But like, I just wasn't sure, like I was aware <laughs> that I was staring And, um, and so that night I, uh, I was in the hotel and I was like, I'm not going to eat another $5 meal in the restaurant. $5 is a lot of money, uh, there even for a full whole fish. And so I was like, I'm going to go look for street food. And, and so I go take my flashlight, and I go out, and I walk and try to memorize my path.
0: Your flashlight. How, I mean, you're not in the city. It's, not a,
1: it's a town, but there's no street lamps. Okay. There's, uh, and there's no... Um, you, I mean, I, I never realized how many stars there were till I got to Africa. You look up in the sky. Yeah. And so um, I remember I see this woman roasting something on a, on a grill, and I was going to negotiate with her, and then I thought, she might be just be cooking dinner. Like, I can't tell what what's people You're just going buy your dinner? family dinner
0: right right from under
1: I, her? I can't tell if like if that is that someone's house or a restaurant yeah. so i see an umbrella and i see these boys these teenage guys and uh i start talking to them and i'm trying to act really cool and i'm like how much is it and it's basically what's called rolex which is um it's slang for rolled eggs but it sounds like the watch the uh-huh. rolex and uh, it's an omelet in chapati bread and uh, and the guy quotes um, eighty shil- uh, or was it two thousand shillings, which is eighty cents. Oh God! And then some of the boys start giggling, and I and I go, I start screaming, "Don't charge me the Zungu price!" And they start laughing, <laughs> and then they relent, uh, and and he charges me half that price, and then yeah. uh, I will
0: pay a, a dime over fifty cents.
1: Yeah, and then I see two of the boys holding hands. And I have a moment in my head, you must just think I'm really stupid for telling, like, because I just had a moment because I had, I remember hearing a speaker from Uganda talking about gay organizing there. It's a very oppressive country for, for gay people and for their allies. And I thought, oh, my God, two men holding hands, they must be organizing. This is be one of these secret organizing meetings of the gay community. And then one of the guys says, come to our uh, music studio. And he's pointing to, like, a dark room behind him. And this is, it's like, if you imagine camping, like, that level of dark, very hard to see anything. And for some reason, like, these guys were just so... Kind of it was just so nice and see like harmless, so I just followed multiple strange men into a dark room oh, okay. and uh, there was a music
0: studio <laughs> this back is a there great idea I got red flags all I over know.
1: <laughs> so I go into this dark room and um and it's a music studio it's a very it It sort of remind, i guess I would describe it as like when you were in college and you had guy friends who were doing a music studio in their basement, it was sort yeah, of like that level equipment, yeah. And but there was a booth, uh, you know, and and everything. It was very innovative in the sense that, like, with what materials were available, they were able to like, create a booth space. And um, and Nereo was the name of like their leader, and he was playing a music video, on, and it was very like boys to men esque like video, and it was they were singing in. Um, uh Luo, which is uh the the main language is spoken around the capital and it was like a love song and it was shot really beautifully and and I was like, Are we watching this on the internet right now? And they're like, Oh, we don't have internet here. So he's just he, he like literally like he just brings people by and plays it on a DVD. Oh wow because there's not like unlimited Wi-Fi just pumping everywhere. And so I was like, I'm I'll, I'm gonna upload it for you. And so he he burned it for me on a disc and uh and then he's like, okay, now now go into the booth and start rapping. And he puts a beat on, and I just start to rap words I learned, and, uh, and it's about the scenario outside. So I'm like, boda boda, which is the, the term for motorcycle taxi. I'm like, 2,000 shillings, boda boda, "Bazungu price. Like, <laughs> you know, all these phrases. And then these local rappers, they get into the booth, and they start to respond rap oh my to what I'm rapping. And they're rapping my name. And one of the rappers raps representing the Europeans, Christina Wong. <laughs> which is like... A, and that same rapper will message me now on Facebook and goes, How's Europe? How's our music doing in Europe? <laughs> so basically, I recorded um, the first song of a five-song album uh, with these guys. which still play, And the songs still play in nightclubs. They still play on the local
0: radio station. Your there. version. Your song.
1: My songs that I made with them. Mzungu! And the album's called Mzungu Price. <laughs> and it's sort of a living diary and like it's the greatest thing i could have asked for as an artist who was researching a show about um uganda to have this like because in my mind i was like well maybe i'll meet artists and one day come back and work with them but it was like boom like for africa time that was like the fastest turnaround of a creative project in my life three weeks we turned out five songs in three weeks oh my god
0: did you do any videos
1: um, no, but my partner who I was dating at the time, I sent him the file and then he made a video with like photos that he pulled and stuff. And I, I do want to make a video eventually. Nero messaged me the other day and he said, why don't haven't you made a video? And I'm like, I don't know, something about LA. It's just like, it takes years to get a project made, but somehow in Africa where it takes forever to get restaurant service you can pump an album out
0: and, i think it comes down to a, desire you know they just have the will to just yeah. do it, and they don't really we want it to make it look good because yeah, all our friends so... make stuff and put it on the web and they were like we got to make it look good we got to do just just do it I know, you know this was so how good does it have to look it was you know? so
1: crazy so so um so, I sell a relationship at least with with Nerio in Uganda every time my show tours, I send him like a royalty a small mm-hmm. small amount for his work because um, his work is used in my show, and if I profit, he should profit and uh, but But really, what the show is about is what it means to be an Asian American suddenly navigating like white privilege and 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 to understand myself in this strange position of being a marginalized person here in other countries. Like when I was in Turkey, God, I was like, got to the point that I wanted to rent a burqa because like, I just had so many men screaming like China, China, Korea, Korea, China, China. Like it was so hard to to be there as a woman in the street. And, um, that i was just like god i just want to rent a burger so people stop screaming at me so I, like would like I'd be like just sitting on a bench alone in istanbul and like a man would come sit right next to me like no sense of like yeah like just leave me alone like i just need a second to catch my breath right and and were they just
0: hitting on you or just trying to sell you something
1: sell me stuff yeah. or hit on me i mean it was it, it was this level of like god you're being y'all are so aggressive and um so so to go for like from from that in Europe too, it's 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 also traveling while Asian is like very real, and in some places it's just like it's unbearable. Like TWA just, traveling, just the while amount Asian? that people, in yeah, yeah. And when I remember being in Italy in college, and I was like in France too, and just like especially the tourist areas, like these. I don't know who told that these vendors that the way to get business is to scream countries at people, yeah, like to scream China, China. Nay-ho, nay-ho, nay-ho. Like, like, just like, this is not, this isn't, like, endear me to come hang out with you longer. Yeah. You know? Um,
0: I know in India, they're super aggressive, too.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, and we're also on their turf, but it's like, chill, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, but, like, in in, I think, like, the closest I felt like I've understood to being, like, the colonial white guy was, like, my time in Africa. Like, the, like, the, like to really see the aftermath of colonialism and, and Western imperialism, I felt like, I definitely felt that I carried that with me in ways I didn't even realize I had. And, you know, I, I wasn't given a rap album by accident. I was, mm-hmm. They, I think in the back of their minds, I'm pretty sure they knew this person has access to resources in the rest of the world, and yet here I'm just, you know trying to do what I we're plugging it I can on do. this very
0: famous show right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what is, the, what is Uganda's biggest industry now? I mean, they're not really on the tourism trail. Yeah, they're not
1: on the tourism trail. Rwanda
0: um, a little bit with the gorillas. I know Uganda has some gorillas. I didn't,
1: I didn't do to, the gorilla thing. It's $500 for the it's permit. It's expensive. I know that. And then I think it's another 500 just to get in there, stay the night, get a pay for a guide. Yeah. But if
0: most tourists go... That's it's for that reason. Yeah, for the and they
1: also seen the Victoria Falls, and I didn't do that either. Um, I don't. I am not sure what their main export is. Um I feel like they're definitely importing religion, and and um, NGO culture is really huge in Uganda. I think that's why a lot of people end up doing work there because it's stable enough for charities to set up. And um, if you've seen God Loves Uganda, like missionaries have definitely set their sights on um, on uh, bringing God and and uh, the Christian or this evangelical Christian faith. Mormons too oh, have also yeah. heavily. Uh, shown up and it's it was very unreal to uh I was in the grocery store and there was like these two african you know ugandan boys and and they had uh mormon name tags so it was like elder something something and elder and uh and like the like i guess like mormonism is sort of the more chilled out of the two because the evangelical stuff i actually went to a the the church services going on all the time and uh in the middle of the day not sundays um but one sunday i was like okay i can't sleep because like i can just hear a guy screaming from two blocks away on a mic i'm just going to join them so i put on a dress and i walked in (laughs) and the pastor still writes me and there was like speaking in tongues and i don't you know i don't want to make them seem Uh. like they were freaks or anything but it was or because that's that's just a bad way to contextualize it but it was it um I remember a guy coming in and he was injured and it was foot, he was barefoot and his foot, like it looked like he had a bad fall. And, uh, and it, it was almost like he'd come in lieu for some like healing and they brought him up on stage and put hands on him. I'm like, Oh my God, please just get him to a doctor. Yeah. But the, but very much, you know, from what I understand the way Christianity has been brought in there, it's not good in the sense that it's, it should not be brought in, in lieu of medical help in lieu of well, uh, it's
0: not going to help the gay community you yeah,
1: know. And, and, yeah. And, and blaming gays is not good uh, and so that, that was interesting but I also get uh, I mean Book of Mormon but the musical was uh, set in Uganda and, yeah, right. and, and I know a lot of folks who've been to Uganda have issues with that musical I think what I got out of that musical which I thought was really uh, I thought it was really well done I saw it way before I realized I was going to Uganda is that people need faith People need something to believe in.
0: But, I mean, have they turned, I don't know what they're... There's probably, like most African countries, a lot of different tribes that make up yeah. people oh of Uganda. Yeah, oh my God. And so they have there's their so own tri- beliefs. There's 44 languages. Yeah, they have their own tribes. beliefs as well. You know, have they ditched those for the most part? I mean, people um, still do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert in this, so I, I can't comment... Um, I feel like there's still traditional songs that some folks are performing. Like the the microloan organization I worked with had a theater festival, and so those women who performed are the same women who receive microloans, and they were people who were displaced by the civil war. So they were moved into camps. Um, some of them, some of the women had been taken in as wives, and that's just a code for you know kidnapped and and raped Mm -hmm. and, and had children with soldiers. Um, some of them have come back and, um, and, uh, I, I, I mean, I was, I don't, I, I, there's still traditional songs. I don't know how rooted it is still in in faith in particular, but, uh, every meeting I went to the Michael and organization started with, there was an opening prayer and a closing prayer to God um Bukenya who uh I worked under he was actually one of the few uh Muslims uh there's I think it's like 80 I, I want to say the statistic I read was like Uganda was like 80% Christian wow and and then um because uh Islamic uh missionaries I guess had, had come through many years ago so there's a few uh Muslims left and I don't know what everybody else is um so, that's that's what I know. Um, what can I say? Oh, so with people's names, uh, most people have an indigenous name and then a Christian name.
0: So the Chinese really haven't have they have have made in inroads there. I don't no, know if they have. Yeah, because like, they're buying up a lot of Africa yeah, and,
1: yeah you know, and and actually before I left. You know, it's like my head was in a million places because everybody would tell me what they thought was going to happen to me. They're like, "Oh, they're gonna—it's backlash because China's coming for you," or they're gonna mistake you for an oil person. And um, it was weird how little I, I was referred to as Chinese when I was out there. Uh, I remember it got to the point that some kids were like, "Chinese, Chinese," and I like that's normally completely offensive and and uh, uh, angering. And I actually remember being like, Oh my God, I forgot I was Chinese. I was being so used to refer to as a Mzungu Muzugu, yeah. or Munu, which is the local word for white. Um, even my dressmaker, uh, when she was taking notes about what dress I wanted, she wrote Munu dress. <laughs> And I said, "Did you write that because the style of the dress is for a white person, or because I'm a Munu?" And she's like, "Well, and it wasn't like apologetic or anything. You know, it's just like, Cause, yeah, because it's a Munu style dress, and
0: you're Munu." <laughs> you know. How were the we? How were in general that you saw? The, how were the women treated? The local women.
1: I mean, that's a that's a lot to say because in each, um, I'll, I'll comment um, on some stories I witnessed. It's, it's I think. Because uh, there's different classes of women. Like, they're, they're the women who receive microloans, who are the poorest, right? They, they live in rural areas, they live in huts. Um, some of them are widows, meaning their husbands are lost completely in the war or just gone. Um, so the focus, the idea, the, the reason why women specifically are, are getting microloans only, and you might hear this, that like their microloans just for women is because women are the last to eat in their family. They're the ones who are always nurturing. And if they, if, uh, and the, the, the issue that, that happens and people in public health would tell me this in Uganda is like, you can't, if you're going to give money to a family, don't ever give it to the husband, give it to the wife. She'll know what to do with it. Yeah, like, she'll he, spend it on the he, kids and yeah. he'll spend it on himself. Yeah. And it was it was kind of shocking. like that seemed like such a broad stereotype to throw out. Um, but that's yeah, I mean that's the domestic violence thing is very real. That 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 if women don't uh have a way to create their own livelihood, then they are at the mercy of their husbands or waiting for uh a man to help them. And, and also the microloan organization, what they did was a literacy program because these women don't know how to write or read in their local language. It's just all, all transactions are oral to the point that if they go to the hospital and they're told, uh, you know, your relative is in this room number, they don't know how to find that room number. They don't know how to read numbers. So, so there's, so, um, those are the sort of stories about, I mean, I definitely witnessed women as caretakers when I was there and, and having it take a lot of the burden on and, and,
0: um, I mean, yeah, from what we saw, I mean, it just seemed to me like going from town to town in these buses that I would ride in every town seemed to be like, there's nothing but men standing around doing nothing, doing nothing shit. And just like hanging out, just, just men everywhere. And the women, you never, if you see them at all, they're hustling around doing stuff. Yeah, I, They're dragging I don't the kids know. I, I did shopping. see both. I They're grabbing – they got bags. They got water. They got the, thing, the food. See, They're uh, doing everything, and the guys are just like hanging out.
1: I'd see men vending, but that's definitely a reputation that was said a lot. And, and, and I guess when women get these loans, the organization actually has to have a meeting with their husbands and the women because immediately I guess what has happened is the husband is like, why, why is my power being taken from me? Why are you giving my mm-hmm. wife money? um she should give it directly to me and and it, and it's a meeting to settle them to or you know sort of settle their anxieties and let them know this is not about taking your power away this is about uh her you know helping with the family and her as a manager of a family being able to um help better you know provide uh it's not you know but there's uh, definitely um they had to start doing those meetings cuz the husbands were all freaking yeah. out about what does this mean <laughs> to do what, this.
0: What was the, if, if you want to plug an organization that people can, that you like. So,
1: um, so the organization I worked with that Bukenya founded in Uganda uh, it's called Volunteer Action Network. And um, the founder is Bukenya Musa, and they're on Facebook. And I think they have a, I can't remember, the, yeah. it's vacnet.org, mm-hmm. I believe, or vac, vacnetwork.org. Um, I can put links to these. There's, yeah, the, there's ways site. to support them directly. And then, and there's, uh, I guess, what used to happen. Uh, is that people could not find, you know, if you wanted to support an organization overseas, you had to wire the money directly. And what feels safer than wiring money? You know,
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to send some to directly. Angola once. Yeah, and that was Oh,
1: wow. To That who? was not easy.
0: Oh, it's a long story. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't episode. easy. It wasn't easy. And it was costly.
1: Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I, I use Western Union now to send money to... Kenya and Nereo When I collect money for them here, and that even feels really like—is this a thing? Is this yeah. a real thing? Like, did you send it to the entire country? Right? Yeah, you they, they, it. they
0: don't have a ton of uh, PayPal there. I mean, yeah. Have you? Did you see? Uh, was there moves being made to get a little more internet access there? I mean,
1: yeah. Um, Uh, Well, we did have a – the problem in that area, that town of Gulu where where I was working was they had a lot of rolling blackouts. So you need a power – you need a generator, a gasoline power generator to kind of keep things going. And so the music studio had one. A few days they couldn't be operating. Um, But it's – but surprisingly, VACnet didn't have one. And so that was the big thing I I did – these were the longest if you want to ever see time to stretch go to africa because like th- these are the longest fucking three weeks of my <laughs> life you know like i made a rap album i volunteered i like saw all this stuff i and i fundraised i shook my fran- friends down in um in la in the world for money for a generator and mostly because i was like how can they like what you know like the the sort of sending emails and bullshit like that takes like a week to get done. Whereas it would take half a day here yeah. because you're just waiting for the internet to turn on again. And then all the computers had viruses Uh-oh. and um, yeah, it was like, it was, it was insane. And, and a friend was trying to help me by messaging me through my iPad. This is an antiviral thing, but I'm like, but that desktop that has the virus doesn't get online. Like, it's just like, the, it was like such a strange System mm-hmm. of uh, that, you know, we take for granted that, oh, we can just go do this and Skype somebody in. Um, and a
0: power grid, and a working power grid, we yeah. take for granted.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get, I, I mean, st- definitely the rappers and people I've met are on Facebook and they message me um, a lot. Uh, but uh, where, you know, and some of them, like Nereo is my old iPhone 3 now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff but like i uh yeah i don't i i know data you either buy by the minute or by the gig or whatever mm-hmm. and um so it was a little tricky to have it all the time but we we did have internet we did i think the office had internet all the time but it's just we didn't have power all the time so we couldn't get online
0: all the time what did you take away when you left i mean how did it change you in in whatever way
1: um well, definitely made me, I think that around the time that happened, it was uh, uh, George's uh, shithead, George Zimmerman, who uh, was a guy who, the, yeah, the, the neighborhood the- watchman who shot Tra- Trayvon Martin, like that had happened right before. And that sparked Black Lives Matter. And it, it made me think a lot about how, uh, like what my relationship is to black communities. I mean, I mostly was, it's very, it's huge difference like working with the african community in uganda and uh and and black folks here but like really thinking about privilege and how to um how to best be an ally i mean when i came back here uh nario gave me marching orders to create uh Wong Records. He was gonna create a he wanted me to help him create a music studio that he would name after me. And because he was gonna name it after me, I was like, oh yes, I'm totally gonna do this. This will be my legacy in the world. And this is, I talk about this in my show. And very quickly realized, wait, this is this is this is sort of the disaster that happens when a charity sets up in a developing country and suddenly um you know people local people are being put out of business like like uh, he got fired from the music studio he worked in because his boss was upset that like, you're going to ask this Mizungu to create a competing studio right. and take you away. And, uh, and also I was like, I having been up there and seen what their computer fix it shops look like. I'm like, if I, you know, if I somehow raise money for all this equipment and get it there, who's going to fix it when it breaks? Yeah. And is there a need for equipment this high tech in, in, an area this poor, you know, and and, you know, it just like created so many more questions and you see like a lot of these organizations that set up as well intended as they are, they, they end up like spinning themselves in a circle because they've, they've like completely rerouted the financial ecosystem of, of everything that already existed there. Like it, it, you would think, Oh, Africa, that's where we drop off our old clothes. Right. It's people. One lady wrote me on Facebook. No idea who she fucking was. She emailed and was like, can you help me get some, a donation of my clothes out there? And I'm like, I'm not flying back to pick up your two bags of dirty clothes <laughs> and bringing... Like, are you kidding? Just give it a goodwill. Like, yeah. are you... like? But, like, in her mind, she's like, oh, she's in Africa. I'll get it to Africa. But even if I did bring a bag of clothes, it's, like, so insulting. One, because people are making their living selling clothes, both new and used clothes. Um, and, and if I just show up, that's a bunch of, like, people who... So clothes and sell clothes who are going to be out of business. Right. So, so we hit the real, like, it made me really think like, well, what's the best way to help? And the way, the best way to be of help in people in our privileged position as Americans is, is to support projects that support their own self-determination. So rather than teach a
0: man to fish rather than give him exactly
1: like, or, you know, definitely it's not religion. (laughs) <laughs> sorry. Oh, them sorry to tell you that missionaries you're wasting your time um, it's not you know and like in in a like a earthquake crisis situation sure you bring over emergency relief stuff but if, if people get used to the fact that they don't have to work and that some white people are going to come drop by some old clothes what impetus do they have to start their own clothing businesses right. or things like that
0: I remember the tour group I had yeah. uh, I was in in Africa and in Asia as well, they would say, especially in India where there's so many beggars and it's it's heartbreaking, but they said, it's like, we don't want to encourage, we we try not to, we don't encourage you giving because it encourages more begging. Begging. Basically. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to give something, there's these, they named some organizations that, you know, we know this goes to a good place and they do the good work. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it's tough, you know, it's it's hard when you see somebody with one leg and, you know, and, Mm-hmm. leprosy coming up to you and you're like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. And, 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 yeah, I, I'm just like, how, how does this help? And then I, I, I also am a very cynical. Like I, I went to visit one NGO where there are people with polio because there were no polio vaccines yeah. there. And they are like, it's like, is this, my cynical side is like, is this just a sweatshops of traumatized people that are making purses and all this stuff that, we have way too many of over here and like like it just points to this big capitalist system that will never become equal you know like we are yeah. basically it goes after the
0: cheapest labor yeah
1: it is. we are perpetuating the same poverty that we're trying to fix like with money like we the fact that that we can sit on a couch and have a podcast you know like and live in this country and 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 is as troubled as it is still comes at the expense of people who are working for almost nothing like to make our clothes and to yeah to make things right and 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 yet you know it's this excess of what wealth we have uh, that we'd like give, you know, toss back in the bucket to help them. It makes no sense, you know? So I really, we need a whole overhaul of how we look at poverty, how we deal with it. Um, And, you know, what's interesting is I did a project in Skid Row. uh, I taught a theater and comedy workshop uh, down there. And it's weird how there's similar issues in Skid Row. There's a lot of folks who come down there wanting to be saviors. who drop off food and clothes, but, but really, you know that that is definitely a necessary step it's dire uh it's also it's 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 upsetting to see like the color of poverty like both abroad and here um and that's it's it's, just, it's a lot of black and brown people and um and what what sort of racist dynamics or colonial dynamics are at stake that that allow that to keep happening but I think um you know it's it, it's it's not just about like doling out charity and, uh, feeling good about yourself when you go help something, but like to, to, to create things that, that help those folks feel like they can self-determine their own lives and, and call the shots around, uh, around issues that affect them. Not us just showing up and going, this is, this is how we're going to fix it. Right. Yeah.
0: So would you go back?
1: I absolutely would. Um, I would go back with somebody though. It's, even though I pulled it off by myself, it was really emotionally taxing every day
0: yeah. <laughs> to face
1: that and not have anyone I don't think really about that. to. As a
0: guy, you know, you're always on. Uh, women always have to be on guard. Yeah,
1: like every I mean, place
0: you go into, every yeah, it's got to be. Exhausting. I wanna meet
1: people, and in two seconds, they're like, "Are you married?
0: Yeah. Where's your husband?" And If oh, you're not, yeah, there, yeah. The, the women I traveled with in Africa, they got that question all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. Uh, and
0: if you're 30 and you don't have any kids, that's like crazy. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, I should be a grandmother over there. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? So, yeah, I, I would go with somebody mostly, um, you know, not necessarily because I'm afraid. Like, I feel like it's it's fine. It's just a, it's a lot to take in. <laughs> and I take in stuff in a, like, deep-ass level. So <laughs> so I would. Uh, and I've I been meaning to go back to do a follow-up album and see them all. I and,
0: and, love that. A follow-up uh, album. Yeah. To your Ugandan hit up. My
1: headshot, my signed headshot is hanging. So, so Nero did not start Wong Records. Um, he lost his job. The happy oh. ending is um, I, I did some album sales. I also like uh, had collected some money from a, a show I did, and then I sent him about 400 bucks. And so that got him started on his own studio, which is called Empire Records, Uganda. He doesn't know about the the 90s the 90s movie but but, you know they like they love talking about the acholi empire and so he liked this (laughs) acholi is uh the name of the people up there um yeah so i want to see the studio and it's it has a flushing toilet which is like super exciting because i was i would be i'd be like throwing down mad beats and then i'd be in this horrible
0: outhouse
1: (laughs) Ooh, African toilets, man. I tell I you, imagine. it was not yeah, you you woo.
0: When you touch back into the US, <laughs> what was the first thing you did?
1: I think did I use the toilet? Did I eat I
0: always get run to the water fountain? What did That's I like do? one of my big things. It was Wash like I toilet? can drink out of the water. I can drink out of the fountain here.
1: I can't remember the first thing.
0: Do you remember the, like I when did. you get back to LA, what's the first thing you want to eat?
1: Uh Maybe it was Japanese food. Yeah. <laughs> so I had Japanese food there, and it was awful. Like, it was oh, just yeah, too yeah. much Don't food. make that mistake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't unedible. It just, right. you know, it's definitely not what we have what was, here.
0: What was the craziest thing you ate in Uganda? The, the oddest thing to you that you ate?
1: Well, uh, I don't know. It's odd. I'm trying to think.
0: Any exotic animals or?
1: No. Yeah. You know what? I don't eat meat, but like oh, okay. I went on a safari with this horrible German guy. Who I because I just wanted to travel like we could do the rent you find someone with a car and pay them and negotiate with mm-hmm. them and and uh, we were in the national park and we had heard that you know we could eat some of these species in the park in this town and so the driver like helped it's like a, a gazelle right um, helped us find this place that for like a dollar. You could have a full meal. It was so unreal because it was like the Bible. It was lit by one candle. This woman had a baby on her back and she was cooking, it was serving. three wise men. Yeah. And you, can't, you can You barely <laughs> see anything. You imagine a, one dark room lit by one candle.
0: God.
1: And I had to like turn the flash on the camera to see the food in front of us. But they were eating uh, endangered species. And it wasn't oh, no. like a delicacy. It was just... So it wasn't a It was like free meat. It was like just... It was, it was... Supposedly it was like one of these gazelles from the park oh. um, that someone shot and but that's but well, that's what that's a crazy thing i witnessed somebody okay.
0: eat why was the german so crazy
1: he was just a dick he he was there um <laughs> he he came to like volunteer with uh, an organization then left and then he was just constantly bargaining with people to the ground, like to the point that it was like, okay, I know you don't want to get fucked over or pay Mizungu price, but you're just, but still, being, it, you're
0: arguing over a dime.
1: Yeah. You're being, yeah. You, it's, you're getting so rude with the driver and, and, uh, and at one point, like to save money, he was like, I think we can just all sleep in the car upright. And uh, like, instead of like paying $8 yeah. to sleep on a bunk. And I was just like, is it going to be the point that I have to, like, it was just so rude to me. And then I remember he said to our driver, who was African, you know, he says to the driver, man, haven't you traveled the world? I mean, this is what we do. Like, he said this to this... Yeah, the guy's you, never left
0: his y- hotel. Yeah,
1: like, you, how, why would you say something so obnoxious? Um, and when, when he finally dropped the guy, a German off... He was also like living for like sixteen dollars. He was like staying with locals. He was paying like sixteen dollars a month to.
0: Was he just a tourist, or he was? He he
1: was. He came to volunteer. He quit the organization he was working at, and he was just sort of hanging out for a couple months and um, and really trying to live lean. But I think to the point that it was just like. People have to make a living, and 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 he also because I one thing that also ticked me off was we when you go to the national parks in Uganda, there's a price for foreigners and there's a price for locals, and I I mean it's like sort of like when you go to a UC College in California, yeah. you pay you a, a local tuition and an out of state tuition, and he was like, this is the most racist thing I've ever seen. How would they like it if they had to pay more? And I was just like, that's not the definition of racism. Yeah. Like us being here right now, yeah. your behavior is a definition of racism. But he was just like so. Uh, yeah.
0: And if, if the price wasn't lower than no locals could ever go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like what locals could afford to pay this? Like I feel like the risk you run letting foreigners. Yeah. Like you, like like this German guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that guy drove me nuts, and um.
0: So three weeks. I, I thought yeah. it was longer. I thought you were yeah, there for I was a long three
1: time. weeks there, and then I spent a week in the capital, which blew my mind because that's it's much more developed. So the civil Is that war. That in um, No, that's um, uh, Kampala.
0: Kampala, Uganda.
1: Yeah, and and that uh, that's unreal in the sense that it's like you're seeing. I mean, it's not that different when you think about downtown. You've got like the poorest people and the richest people living side by side. It's just they're just a really unreal moments. Like I remember. Um, i stayed uh my friend has a fashion designer friend who lives there and her name's stella and she's a single mom of two kids and very accomplished she has this whole fleet of people who sew for her and i remember when i first arrived at our sewing studio she paid for my taxi for me and i was like kind of blown away because i was so used to like paying just like i'll just get it it's a dollar let me you know but like you know, but I, I think very much he wanted to set this is the relationship that we're going to have. And um, and and uh, she drove an SUV and, you know, it was just like a, it was like a whole different after seeing these women who were so poor in this town, which just everything was just like a whole different scale. Like to see this woman who had a very nice apartment and a housekeeper who she treated like garbage, oh. <laughs> which a lot of the housekeepers are are um, garbage. Or they? They're tr- no, no, they're tr- no, 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 no. Sorry, they're treated. They're treated very poorly okay. in ways that kind of shock me. And like, yeah, I think because you're not I'm not. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, I hire a housekeeper once a month, and I have so much guilt.
0: I know I, I can't like, do it. I, still I don't clean have.
1: with her, right? Because I am just so horrified by it. But like, there's. I guess that's part of the culture is is always being upset with your housekeepers and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, because I remember asking like, should I leave Deborah a tip? And Stella's like, why? She doesn't do anything. She's so lazy. I'm gonna let her go. You know? And I'm just like, going, okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm not gonna get involved with this one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So th- yeah, that was totally mind blowing, and just like being a place where electricity stayed on almost all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always found in Africa that the the cities are are tough. You know, just yeah. get, they get oppressive after a while. But once you get out in the country, it's just like, oh. and then, then you see those magical kind of moments, you know, out in the country, and they're like, oh, this is the Africa I came to see. You know? Yeah, because the cities are, you know, they're tough, they're poor, and the, you know, they're not. Yeah, really, I don't
1: know what Africa I came to see necessarily, yeah. but there were moments that are definitely very well, the like Africa postcard. in your mind. Yeah,
0: you know, that's it's <laughs> never the city.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will tell you every vacation since Uganda has completely paled in comparison. Like, we, uh, Keith and I were in Australia and Hawaii, and I was like, man, nothing will beat doing the rap album in Uganda. Like, that was just so crazy. That's a good story. And so life changing and, and vivid that just.
0: And you got real yeah. culture shock. You yeah, know, I, mean, I mean, that I, you don't get just traveling around in first world countries. You just don't get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and it also made me really have to put my money where my mouth is as an activist. Like, I, I it was like this. It's one thing to sort of complain and point out where sh- stuff is bullshit, but I was in this real life situation where I had to figure out how am I going to help Nario in a way that makes sense. And so we basically have like a business relationship, you know, on, t- and on top of a friendship. But we but we have a relationship where he does work and I remunerate for him. It's, we take the word sponsor out of it. At least I do. Um, I keep telling him this is not about me being some miracle white hand from heaven that comes down and fixes stuff. Uh, but like it was me trying to think about what did I learn from what isn't working with NGO culture out there and, and how do I not perpetuate that or, or end up digging such a big hole that I can't get out of this. Right. Yeah. So it's good that he has... I feel like it's not perfect. I'm sure he would much rather me have underwritten in this crazy big studio. But I know that in terms of what I can actually sustain, this was closer to (laughs) to something manageable.
0: Can people find the album online? Yeah, it's a
1: band camp... I think it's bandcamp. dot com. If you look up Christina Wong slash Mzungu or Christina Wong in Mzungu Price, <laughs> you, could, you, you can hear all five songs. That's great. Read the lyrics. Yeah, it's a great. It's it's such a like. It's such a great a souvenir. Like yeah. that,
0: <laughs> and, and, that, would... and a
1: souvenir is a cheap word, but like it's such a great archive and such a strange testament to like where we are in the world. And you can go back for your Ugandan. Grammy, yeah, (laughs) no, I'm really proud of Neri. He's won a bunch of awards. I mean, not not for our, not for the songs we made, but I don't. Yeah, it's a different kind of music system up there, obviously. Yeah, 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 that's great. It's it's cool. And if you go into my bathroom, I'll show you the poster that they signed for me (laughs) that's framed. Oh, yeah, (laughs)
0: that's awesome. Okay, so tell us about your next show and where you're headed next, and where can people see you?
1: I'm so I'm. uh i was working on a tv project which i can't talk many details about but that has taken a lot of my focus um i uh i've been touring the long street journal i don't have any dates lined up right now i'm going to be in arizona though in 2018 hopefully i'll still be alive oh my gosh 2018 i know uh, that far ahead yeah so i get booked at. that's the thing with eaters we get booked really far ahead I am. I, but, I, I don't know. You think go to your I'm, website and I, see any
0: anything? Yeah, okay.
1: you go to ChristinaWong.com slash upcoming, and there's. I'm speaking at the Tax March on uh, Saturday. I'm going to demand that Trump show his taxes. Oh yeah, on really?
0: Really quick before we go. Oh yeah. Uh, that you were voted the number two Twitter. I wasn't
1: voted. I was named
0: named the, the number-, number two
1: Trump troll by Black Enterprise. <laughs> And I was also interviewed uh, in an upcoming uh, Washington Post magazine article about people who Trump troll online. And you've
0: been blocked by the whole family? I've been
1: blocked by three of those four adult children. Well, that's
0: a win. Right Tiffany
1: there. has not blocked me. She's a black sheep like uh, yeah, me. Yeah, I think the family she has blocked me. her more or less. I know. I, think, I don't even want to pick on Tiffany. I feel like we get, we get Tiffany right
0: now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like Tiffany, there's a little bit of Tiffany. We're all the middle wife child. All, <laughs> you know?
0: Tiffany's Lives Matter. Yeah. Uh, well, this has all been awesome. Thank you yeah, so much for doing you. this. Yeah, you. And uh, you can go to ChristinaWong.com and find out with all about her. What with a K, K. Christina. And uh, this was awesome. Thank you so much Thanks, for doing this. Mike. Uh, Christina Wong, everybody.
1: 3,000 shillings. Bota, bota. Rolex. At the top of Uganda. A place called Hulu. People are friendly. Don't let history fool you. At Diana Gardens. Party's going down. Last Friday in the month. Tusker Pilsner passed round will awake you. cock a doo And now we eat pork is roasted, not stewed. Boys making chapas under the stars. Producer Nario makes...